Welcome back to Zillennials Podcast. Today on Zillennials, we have another book club episode. So today we're going to be talking about Made in Korea by Sarah Suk. Um, Leanne, did you want to start us off with some fun facts about the author? Sure. Uh, she is Canadian and majored in English with a minor in creative writing. We're going to highlight a few fun facts that came off her uh, author website bio. She worked in a bubble tea shop, which I think is really cool. My one thing is like, maybe similar to if you work in an ice cream shop, do you get sick of it if you work there? I don't know. I can actually offer insight on this because I did work at an ice cream shop at one point. So I feel like with the ice cream shop, you kind of get sick of it. Like you don't necessarily want ice cream all the time, which is interesting. You know, even if you love ice cream, you don't necessarily want it all the time. But you do enjoy bringing it back to like people in your household. Like I know like at the ice cream shop where I worked, they would sometimes let us bring a little bit of ice cream home at the end of our shift, as long as it was like, you know, something small. So I would always ask my family, I'd be like, what do you want? I'll get whatever you want. Tell me what you want. And that's kind of how I would do it. Okay. I was just thinking that I feel like the friends and family might like your job more than you do in terms of the benefits of eating the product. And honestly, okay. I have to say though, as like a first job, like an ice cream shop is pretty good. I would say out of all of my like food servicey jobs, I probably liked that one the best, even though it was sometimes super stressful and fast paced because you'd have a line. But other than that, it was great. And then let's see what else. She interned with Link, which is something that you know a little bit about. Yeah, so Link is Liberty in North Korea. It's an organization, I believe it's providing like aid, if I'm not mistaken, to people living in North Korea. And so I know that the Asian American Association at the college that I went to, they oftentimes would do a lot of fundraising and working with Link and just general like educating about North Korea and the programs that Link was putting into place. Another fun fact about our author, next up for her books, she has the book The Space Between Here and Now, which should be coming out relatively soon. 2023. So if you liked this book, that could be a good one to check out. Yeah. So we're going to pop in with a quick sign out. If I sound funny, it's because I'm recovering from COVID, but we're good. We're going to make it through the episode. On with the programming. <laughs> On with the programming. So do you want to start with just like our overall thoughts about this book? Sure. So I know personally for me, I thought the book was fine. It was not one of my favorite books, but I think that's also because of how it was written. Like it is a YA book, so... Granted, like, I don't expect YA books to be as complex as, like, adult novels. But this YA book felt like it was meant for a very young YA crowd. Like, I would say between the ages of, like, 10 and 13, rather than, like, an older YA crowd. Which I feel like is interesting because with YA books, I feel like sometimes you can tell that it's meant for, like, an older YA crowd versus a younger in the topics that they talk about and, you know, just generally their writing. What did you think? Yeah, I think I told you this when we were reading the book where I think like, I'd say like end of middle school, early high school, you know, 13, 14 range, me 
probably would have really loved the book, but me now, it just seemed a little juvenile. And some of the characters were very immature and it bothered the crap out of me. But then also when you think about it, they're probably acting how people that age act. So it kind of makes sense. It was just kind of annoying to read because you'd be like, come on, like grow up. Yeah, I would definitely echo that sentiment. I think that with the characters, sometimes they felt a little bit flat to me, which I think is also just because as a young adult, when you're, you know, like 13 or 14, you're not always going to think of the bigger picture. And so a lot of the times, like you have your things that you feel like define you and you cling to those things. And I think that that's a lot of like figuring out your identity as a teenager is like, A lot of teenagers will say, well, I'm this or I'm that. And that's kind of how they'll categorize themselves. And I think that that was something that was really clear in this book. And I think, like you said, it sometimes made it feel like a little bit juvenile. So I think this conversation relates really well to the favorite, least favorite character discussion. For example, to give more concrete examples about what we were talking about, I found Valerie so annoying. She was like, if you're sitting outside in the summer and the little mosquito keeps going right by your head and you just want to swat it, that was Valerie to me. Yeah, Valerie was definitely not my favorite. I just felt like she couldn't be reasoned with very well. And I feel like she would have a hard time seeing things from others' perspective. And so I think that was kind of annoying about it just because... Sometimes you would be like, how can you not see that like this is the way that things are? And she would just be like completely blind to it. Yeah. Or like because I guess we kind of skipped over the summary. But the basic premise is that Valerie and her cousin are running a student business where they sell K-beauty products. And then this new kid, Wes, comes in and he starts selling things. And like just when he Wes is selling his, I don't know, lip balms or whatever it was. And how Valerie was all like, oh, he's doing it because he's out to get me. And I'm like. Dude, he's not even thinking about you. Yeah, like you two have never interacted before. Like, I don't know what your deal is. <laughs> yeah, it was literally like he wants to go to music school. Someone was like, are you selling those? And then he's like, oh, I can make money off this. Sure. Like, I don't know, five bucks for the lip balm. Like he wasn't doing it to be like, oh, I want to take down Valerie's business. And she just thought like the entire world revolved around her. And it was very annoying. Yeah, she definitely gave off those vibes where it was like, everything revolves around me. Everything is relative to my life. And I was just kind of like, you need to calm down a little bit, child. Like, it's not all about you. Also, she kind of treated her cousin like crap. Oh my gosh, yeah. Like, the cousin was so nice. And then she would be, like, just mean to him. And I was like, why are you like this? Oh my gosh. I think, what was his name, Charlie? Like, when Charlie's like, oh, yay, after X many years, my dad is finally moving from Korea. And all Valerie was able to think about was how they weren't going to be able to get free K-beauty products anymore. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah, I was like, what the heck? Really? Because, okay, I feel like Charlie as a character, I liked him. I thought he was like a good person. And I feel like he was like a good foil to Valerie, too, because Valerie was like, so incredibly invested in this company and he was just kind of like yeah I do this but also you know I'm okay with like having other interests too I'm not going to be like upset if somebody else is making another business that's going to compete with ours he was just like yeah like this is just a part of who I am but not everything I definitely think I like the sidekicks better than 
the main characters. Like, Wes was fine. He wasn't annoying. He just wasn't very interesting to me. But, for example, like, what's her name? Paul? Is it Pauline? Like, <laughs> I thought she was so just, like, quirky. Like, she's just like, oh, I want to go volunteer at the aquarium, but my dad says I have to do something Korean, so I'm just going to help Wes sell some lip balms. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Pauline was funny. I liked her, too. I feel like Wes, my issue with Wes was I feel like, again, he felt kind of flat as a character. Like, no offense to him, but he was, like, too perfect and too boring. See? Perfection is boring. (laughs) Exactly. Like, I feel like the author made this character where it's, like, this guy who's, like, super, super caring and compassionate. And, like, I can understand, like, why she did that, like, the appeal of that, especially because I feel like he is the calmness to Valerie's crazy. But also, I was just kind of like, I don't know, it It kind of made me wonder, like, what did Valerie and Wes really have in common, aside from, like, having those businesses that they would have wanted to date? Okay, so I think it was near the end of the book, you know, like, when the guy gives, like, the whole big speech and is like, this is why I like you, and he's all like, you're so smart, and you're this, and you're that, and you're caring, and blah, blah. I'm like, I didn't see any of that in Valerie. I'm sorry. Like, I don't know what Wes was looking at. You know, maybe as, like, a teenager, you don't pick up on everything, so I feel like she has a successful business. Yeah, she's pretty smart because of that, but I don't know. I just, I think that I just didn't see why that relationship was so present I guess like I don't know why I don't know why there was that relationship because I was like okay like they have like kind of things in common but not really I was like I don't know that's just my two cents on it yeah I felt like it was just kind of like oh this is a YA rom-com so they obviously like each other why do they like each other because it's a YA rom-com yeah yeah I feel that But I did like Charlie and Pauline's relationship. I thought that was super cute. And like the fact that like there was that miscommunication where they like didn't talk to each other for a long time. I was like, yeah, I feel like that's a very high school thing. Like that part was spot on. I was like, I could totally see that happening with like some of the kids that I teach where it's like, oh, there was a miscommunication and now we don't talk anymore. And then all of a sudden we've mended things and we're you know, better off. I don't want to spoil anything, right? These episodes have spoilers, so. I feel like you can't fully discuss a book doing spoiler-free book episodes. Yeah, I guess so. So here's your warning, spoilers. (laughs) Thanks. Also, I feel like for the Valerie and Wes relationship, I feel like you knew it was going to happen from the second he walked into the book. You were like, oh, this is who she's going to fall in love with. Done. Done. Yeah. I think part of it is the trope, so you know it's going to happen. And part of it, I think, is me because it's YA and they have to water it down a little that there was no, like, I don't, there was never a moment where I was like, oh, are they going to get together? Yeah. Also, I totally forget his name, but the, the guy who was, like, the church group friend who was just, like, the troublemaker and mischief guy, like, he was entertaining. I enjoyed him. He was kind of a mess. Was that Taemin? Yeah. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, he was so funny. I feel like it was just very funny to me how he was like playing both of them at the same time, but he was like, but I didn't mean to. That wasn't my intention. I was like, oh, this guy is funny. 
I was a big fan of him. I also really liked the grandma. Me too. And I thought it was interesting how they had like the relationship with the grandma versus the mom. I thought that that was really nice because you got to see like a little bit more of like those family dynamics because I feel like this might be a hot take, but I feel like even though you try to pretend like there's not favorites in the family, there are definitely favorites in the family. I mean, it's easy when you're the only kid. Okay, Leanne, not all of us are the only child, okay? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, unless my mom picks the cats, like, I'm a clear front runner. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like there are always favorites, and I think it was interesting to see how that played out. I do think they made it probably a little bit too obvious, though. You could tell that the mom was, like, really just a little bit fed up. So I feel like that part kind of bothered me a little bit because it was, like, super, super, super obvious. I feel like it would have been nice if it was like more in like subtle things. But then again, it is a YA novel. I'm not sure that like kids would have picked up on that if it was more subtle. See, that's what I always wondered about parents who had multiple kids. Because I personally thought that parents who have multiple kids and said they don't have favorites are liars. I feel like, yes, I feel like they're probably lying. Like I could tell you right now who's my dad's favorite and who's my mom's favorite. And I feel like it doesn't mean you don't love all your kids. I feel like it's just like certain people click with certain people better. And I feel like the fact that you're, they're your kids doesn't necessarily change that. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's understandable. And I think it's also a matter of, you know, what choices has your child made in life? Like, are you proud of those decisions or are you not proud of those decisions? Yeah, and I feel like, what, like when you're little or like teenagers or whatever, and if they have a favorite... I don't know. I feel like that's just how it works. As long as you don't unfairly praise or discipline the other ones based off that, like, I don't like what can you do? Yeah, I would agree with that. I think one of the things that I learned from teaching that is probably going to be pretty applicable to anybody who's a parent out there is you always need to be fair. So like if you have one consequence for a certain action, that consequence needs to apply to anybody who does that action. And that's like a positive consequence or a negative. Like, you know, if somebody does something that is really great, like let's say they help out somebody next to them, like you would want to give that praise regardless of who is doing it. But like, let's say somebody throws something across the room, you would probably want to tell that person, go and pick up three things from the floor regardless of who it is. Because the thing is, kids notice that. They really do. They notice it and they'll notice if you're not doing the same reaction for everybody and then they will totally accuse you of favoritism. So you got to be really mindful of having the same reaction regardless of who it is for the most part. And I feel like that's what happened in the book because it's like Samantha, the sister, literally just took a business class. And the parents, especially the mother, was like praising her. She's like, oh, Samantha's so smart. She took a business class. And then Valerie's like running a business. You know, it's student business, but still a business. And they would like call it her like little project or things like that. Yeah, like you got to be mindful. Like that really shows a lot of favoritism in how she treated that situation. And you really just have to be mindful and make sure that you are treating people equally or as equally as you can. Like, I understand, like, everybody's a slight, everybody's a different person, right? So everybody's not going to react the same way always. 
but you do want to try to make it as fair as you can. Because, I don't know, I feel like if you're a kid growing up and you're, let's say, like, not the favorite child, like, I feel like that could be kind of saddening or, like, damaging in a way. I think also coming from an only child with no kids, so I literally have no qualifications for this opinion, but I think also it could probably change on the day or the month or like the year because it's like I feel like at certain points some people annoy you more than other people and I feel like that'd be true if with children. Like some days you're like one kid is annoying the crap out of me and the next day it's the other kid. Oh, definitely. A hundred percent. Okay. Can we talk about the premise of the book? Like, the fact that it was based around student-run businesses? Yeah. Because when this opened and they were like, oh, we have a student-run business and or she's selling stuff out of her locker, I was like, what school has this? Like, I feel like there are schools where they have, like, you maybe create a business plan for, like, a fictional business. But, like, what school is letting other high schoolers sell things to other high schoolers? Yeah. You're a teacher, so I was like, I was like, I want to make sure that I'm not making this up, that this is not a real thing. No, that's definitely not a real thing. Like, I have never seen that in any school I've worked in. I've never seen that. I remember, I'm going to throw this all the way back to middle school. I remember in middle school, I'm pretty sure, like, some of my friends, I might have honestly been involved in this too. I don't even remember because it was so long ago, were making a magazine and they were, like, wanting to sell it, like, at lunch. And, like, sell it to kids and, you know, like, make some money and just provide them with some entertainment. And I'm pretty sure it got shut down real quick because they were like, no, like, you can't do that. The only student-run businesses that were viable were ones that were outside of the school. And what I'm talking about is people would sell gum on the bus ride home. Yeah, I feel like there was probably things like that, but I don't think there was any school-sanctioned student businesses. I feel like that would just be a mess because then you're asking kids to handle money. And like, I'm going to say there are definitely some responsible kids out there who could handle that, but also like there are some kids who could not. And like, then if somebody had like a whole bunch of cash and they're like, where'd you get that from? They could just be like, oh, I got it from my business. Or like, I think it's also a part of wanting to make sure there aren't drugs being sold or distributed in the school, right? Because, like, you could be like, oh, like, this is my student-run business, but then maybe it's actually, like, a front for selling drugs. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the author's Canadian. Maybe this is a thing in Canadian schools, but I've never seen it. And it took me a while to get over it because I was like, I just can't get over how unrealistic this premise is. Also, side note on a less important thing, the name of their business was so stupid. It was so not creative. I'm like, you literally like, what was it? It It's like VNCK Beauty. It's literally just your initials and what you're selling. Yes. But I feel like that is, that is what people would do. Like, I feel like people would just find like a simple name for their business and be like, done. Unless you could think of like a really good pun or something like really like creative and out there I feel like it would be like something super simple like that yeah I just thought the name was cringy I was like "Eh." it just felt like the author didn't try very hard yeah I could see that but also I don't know how creative like a 14 year old is in naming things but I feel like the author could have come up with something else that was like a little less cringy (laughs) yeah I feel like it was a pretty simple name 
I think honestly, if you had teenagers create a business, I would say they would either go that route or they'd go like just really completely off the wall out their names. And that would be like, those would be the two extremes. There's nothing in between. I guess I was hoping for something a little more like off the wall, a little more creative. Because it's just, I'm like, your business name is literally just the product you're selling. Yeah. I don't know. I did think that it was interesting, though, that she had them selling K-beauty products because I know that that's like a big thing as like people are super into K-beauty. So I was like, oh, like that makes sense. So I thought that that part of it was nice. I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. But also like how many free samples or like free K-beauty things would they have to get in order to stock their business? Because it seemed like they were always selling stuff. Yeah, it was every Monday they restocked. And then they sold out until Wes came along and then Valerie gets mad. But yeah, I mean, how many samples is the uncle's company giving him? Yeah, because I'm like, I feel like, you know, free samples, you maybe get like three or four. I feel like you don't get like, you know, 20 or something like that. Like I f- And I feel like you would need like 20 to sell and like start a business. Yeah, I think there were, I think the key is that Reading YA as adults, because I don't think we've really liked any of the YA books we've read for the podcast. And I think the key is that they're just not meant for adults. And that's why New Adult was invented. I think you're right. I am still going to hold out hope, though, for that Saba Tahir one that we have for July. I'm still going to hold out hope because Ember in the Ashes was still like a cute book. I liked it until the last book, which made me so mad. The ending just enraged me but the rest of the series was quite good. I mean, I think also, I don't know too much about that book, but I think the other two books were kind of romance-based because I know um, Our Violent Delights was like Romeo and Juliet-based and this is kind of more rom-com-based. And I think YA romance does not work when you're an adult because like all you're thinking about is how they're a bunch of immature children. Yeah, that's like, Kate and Angela were in town the other the other day and I was like talking to them about these violent delights and I was like I just I didn't like it and they were like really and I was like yeah I just I didn't like it. and they were like I think you've mentioned before how you didn't like this book and I was like ah probably <laughs> I don't know so far most of the YA books have been a miss in my opinion I feel like with YA books it's there's so much YA content put out there that sometimes it can be hard to find good ones. Yeah, and I think that's not to say that they aren't out there. There's just a lot to filter through. Or like, maybe I said that wrong. It's not necessarily about finding good ones, but it's about finding ones that are acceptable to read as adults. (laughs) That's true, yeah. Because I think it would be interesting too where if you asked a bunch of the actual target audience, because I think that's part of it too, because whenever you write something, they always talk about like, know your audience. And I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure that her audience weren't too like 25 year old people. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure that like, that's what it was. It probably was not two 25 year old people. And I think too is like, I would have really liked this book when I was that age, because I we were talking about this before too, where I don't think I read a single book or maybe only like one book where there were Asian characters in it when I was that age. So I think that's a really good thing, whether us as adults like this book or not, is that there's more options for kids now 
where they can see themselves written as the main characters. Yeah, and I think one thing that was also really nice about this book, because, like, don't get me wrong, I know that we've kind of said a lot of negatives about this book so far, but I remember there was that one conversation between Wes and Valerie, I think it was, like, at Wes's house, that I thought was, like, a really good conversation about culture and fitting in. And I thought that, like, you know, I mean, I definitely can't speak for other people, but I feel like that could be a a good thing to read if you're growing up and you're somebody who is not white and you're not sure, like, exactly what your place is. I feel like that could be, like, a good thing to read and it's, like, an important conversation to have. Yeah, I feel like that was probably the best part of the book. And I think, too, is, like, when you're that age, you don't necessarily have the words or vocabulary to like say those things yourself but then if you read them you could be like oh like that's what I've been thinking I just didn't know yeah exactly but yeah because I feel like the author was like very careful with that part like I feel like she really wanted it to I feel like that was the part of the book that she wanted most to be successful yeah and I feel like I think it was a good book it's just I didn't necessarily like it yeah, I think I'm on the same page with you. Like, it was a good book, not my favorite, but if you're somebody who is listening to our podcast and you're younger, like let's say you're in your early teens, this would probably be a good book for you to pick up and just read through. It was definitely an easier read, which was nice. Yeah, I would agree. I would I would recommend it, but like for people who are actually YA readers, not for adults. Yes, agreed. So for our next book club, we're going to be reading The Gunkle by Steve Rowley, and that episode will be dropping on June 6th. I'm super excited. My hold just came through on that. So I've got the book. I'm excited to start reading. We hope you enjoyed our discussion on Made in Korea by Sarah Souk. If you enjoyed this episode or would like to share your thoughts on the book, feel free to send us an email or DM us on Instagram. And don't forget to rate Zillennials Podcast on Apple Podcasts. You can find us at Zillennials Podcast on Instagram or email us at Podcast at gmail.com. Feel free to hit the subscribe button and stay a while. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time.